All right, Holman, uh, to start off the show, I'll just let's get this out of the way. Dude, that was painful. Are we still talking about the last episode? Uh, no, I'm I'm preemptively saying that this show is painful. No, no, no. This show is awesome. No, you're right. This show will be awesome. Truck Show Podcast, episode number 161. We have a gentleman on the show named Sharif. And Sharif may double our collective IQ, maybe. Are you talking about Sharif Marakbi, who is the executive vice president of R&D for Magna International? That's the Sharif I'm referring to, yes. Yeah, so if we put um, you, me, and him on Jeopardy, uh-huh. how far would you and I go? I don't think we qualify to get on the show to begin with. If you put you, me, and him in a space capsule, mm-hmm. uh, what would our jobs be? Uh, dead weight, and we get ejected. If you put uh, <laughs> you and uh-huh. me uh-huh. and him in a future truck, what would that look like? Dead weight, we get ejected. <laughs> uh, he has an MBA. He's been in automotive for 30 years. He was the dude in charge of Ford's autonomous vehicle program. He's worked for Uber. I mean, the, the credentials are crazy. He actually went back to Ford, and now he's at Magna, which, by the way, is one of the biggest suppliers in all of automotive. Yeah, I'm familiar with him, and most people, I think, are not, but I can almost guarantee you guys that in your vehicle, right now, in your truck, you're either sitting on something that was made by Magna, or there's something you're in your it. dash, or your steering wheel. Or you're looking at it. Or you're, I'm, it, it, they, it, It's amazing. They make yeah. something for almost every vehicle- on, the, on road. the road. And what's cool about Sharif is he's going to talk about some of the future technologies that are coming. We'll kind of dabble, I think, in battery electric and hybrids, but then there's some other stuff they have going on. I'm just, I'm, I'm excited because I don't know that we've had um, such a legitimate guest. Come no, no, and, no, that's not, we have, we've had some good guests. No, 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 in this space. Oh, okay, fair enough. I mean, the last guy that was sort of close turned out to be, uh, um, yeah, that didn't work out too well for us. <laughs> yeah, so this is our uh, redemption episode where we have a uh, legitimate player in the space come on and actually tell us the truth about uh, the future of trucks. The future of electrification. I mean, at what point do we are we getting forced into driving an electric truck? I don't know. We should ask him. Maybe, well, we maybe that'll be a burning question. Hey, uh, did you see? No. I got my license plate. Oh, yeah. So did I, dude. Well, I didn't pick no. it up, but I'm going to get it. Yeah. Wait, they made an appointment? Uh, no. See, here's what here's Because what happened. when I got it, you couldn't make an appointment to go pick it up. So I had to fill out an affidavit for them to mail it to me. Now, check this out. So I get the little notice in the mail. It says, yeah. come get your plate. Right? Lockjaw. Uh-huh. And it's at the Long Beach DMV. Uh-huh. And I said, no. No, you didn't. Yeah, I said, no, no, I'm not going to the DMV. You so said I called, yes. You should have said yes. No, I don't want to go to the DMV. All right. So I call my friend who works at the Laguna Hills DMV. Oh, you and have she a, the says, insider. She says, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> Did she really? Yeah. She said, kick rocks. Um, That's they're funny. Not, they're not allowed to play any favoritism. But she said, huh. call AAA and they can transfer it to your local AAA. So I've always bought my personalized plates through AAA. And AAA said, at least when I ordered it, the DMV was not allowing them to do that. AAA... In 48 hours, had the plate ready for me. Nice. Yes. So AAA is da bomb. Now, will your personalized plate be as crappy as mine? 
What do you mean is crappy? Will it have, so I, just like you, have mm-hmm. a black plate with yellow letters on it. Sure. The, uh, what are they called? Not the retro. It's called yeah, the- yeah, it's the it, 60s plate. Yeah. Will yours also have a yellow thumbprint on one of your plates <laughs> that they clear coated over? <laughs> I hope so, yes. Will it also have an entire edge painted in yellow and clear coated mm, over? That hurts. I'm like, really? I've waited a year and on a black plate, somebody had to put their freaking thumbprint on here? Dude. I'm going to take it to the police department and have it analyzed. I'm going to go to that guy's house and punch him right Dude. in the face. His, what are you talking about? A house? It was made in jail, in prison, bro. No, he let them all out. No, our, well, they're our not. wonderful governor, that is. No, no, no. They're there. And, and well, their that... quality control has gone down because I've never had a plate <laughs> problem before where the yellow paint was somewhere other than on the letter. You're going to go to San Quentin and say you guys have a quality control issue? Yeah. Yeah. You want to go? <laughs> no, I Why? don't. I've toured a prison, and I don't want to go back. Wait a minute. You've toured a prison? Yeah. Was it during a Scared Stray program? No, dude. I went up. A buddy of mine was in Lompoc. We'll get to this some other time. Huh? Hey, I'm look. happy to show that, show that uh, story. I'm, and I'm not kidding. I'm showing you my plate. Look at the edge. Let me see it. Hold on. It's on his phone. I'm zooming in here. See the left edge? Oh, yeah. See this? Oh, there's the yellow edge right there. And then here's the other one with the thumbprint. Oh, dude. Oh, and look at how bad the orange peel is on this thing, too. Yeah. You're going to have to buff this out. Nah, I just bolted it to the Jeep and I'm going to throw some mud on it and call it a day. I'm just happy to have it. So anyway, uh, the Adventure Jeep is officially uh, the Adventure Jeep. That's awesome. Or if you're people who are a-holes on my Facebook and my Instagram, it's the Advertising Jeep. Oh. Which I guess it also it is, is, which I'm fine with. It kind of is, yeah. Uh, but at the uh, at the end of the day, it's my Jeep. So I'm, I'm happy to have my plate and uh, I'm happy you got your plate too. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, go get it. I, I still have to pick it up. And I'm going to slap it on uh, old Lockjaw, which, by the way, I want to thank so many of you guys uh, for checking out the uh, Banks Belt series in which Lockjaw is a star. It's been a lot of fun to produce. It's been a lot of fun to be in. And hopefully I don't suck too bad on camera. It's uh, Check it out if you get a chance. I mean, it's... I link to it in my Instagram. You're probably not worse than you are on the podcast. I think I'm uh, below average everywhere I appear. <laughs> yes, that's your ding. Yes, I'm uh, correct. At least you're consistent. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, fi- I figured that uh, you uh, you have all the sound effects, so I'm going to start adding bells. Where did you get the bell? I was cleaning out my garage, and for some for some reason, was sitting right there uh, on a shelf. Now this is for for you guys playing at home. Let me see one second. This is a real bell that would sit at a countertop yeah. at a hotel yeah. or a motel. Uh-huh. Well, that's kind of cool. That's <laughs> me ringing your bell here. Now, is this one of Bean's bells? No, but it, I, I thought it would bring back horrible memories for you, so I'm like, eh, I'm bringing it to the show. Wow, that's weird. You guys wouldn't know this unless you listened to K-Rock back in the day with Kevin and Bean. Which is hilarious. And Bean had a bell, and Bean would ring the bell anytime there was an attractive woman making an appearance on the show. And I'm going to ring the bell every time Lightning says something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's going to get cobwebs all over it. Then I need something other than a bell. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Before we get to our show with uh, Sharif from Magna, let's uh, thank our sponsor. So, of course, Nissan and that awesome new 2022 Nissan Frontier that is coming out at the end of summer. Hey, by the way, there has been a lot of chatter online about the Frontier. People love that thing. This is is no joke. Like, the guys in my office were talking about the Frontier and had no idea that you had broken news just a couple days prior. I wish I could say that they learned about it on our <laughs> show, but they didn't. They're like, "Where's the frontier? Damn it! I want a friend." And you're like, "Dude, I'm here's not the photos. even." I'm, dude, I'm Were dead you like the, the friend group uh, hero by showing uh, them a picture of it? No, or? no. Like I'm watching them discover it on their own, and they're <laughs> they're like fawning over the truck. 
they can't believe they're like look at the front end and i'm oh, dude, to awesome. me i'm stewing in the back going we were talking about this days ago Listen, you know no, but, no but it was it was cool so anyway for you guys if you haven't seen the new frontier you absolutely i mean it's all over the internet it's everywhere just it's google especially it especially at fourwheeler.com or truckshine.com or there yes so if you're looking for a half-ton truck, Titan, Titan XD, five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, best in the business. Or, of course, the current Frontier, you probably get a heck of a deal before the new one comes out. And it's got that nine-speed transmission, which is uh, buttery smooth. And it also has uh, the simplicity of yesteryear. <laughs> That's nice, And rugged yes. durability, <laughs> and um, I would say um, uh, historically solid good looks. And you may get a million miles out of it, like our friend Brian that we had on the show. I guess I shouldn't promise a million miles, but damn, they're rugged. Hey, I asked Nissan if they thought it was going to hit a million miles. They said yes. And it did. No, no, no. The new truck. Oh, the new truck. So build and price at NissanUSA.com or just waltz into your local Nissan dealer. Holman, question for you. How many Dr. Peppers do you think we can fit in a uh, new decked toolbox? I'm not sure, but uh, I have an idea that will let our listeners do that work for us. Um, What do you mean? Well, I've been thinking about it all week. I've been noodling on it. What can we do? I mean, the haikus were fun, but what can we <laughs> no, do to weren't. give away the decked toolbox? And then I thought, all of the somebodies, guess how much each decked product will fit in terms of Dr. Pepper cans. Wait, I, I, you lost me. D-bag, how many cans? Okay. D-box, how many cans? Oh. Crossbox, how many cans? Drawers, how many cans? Toolbox, how many cans? Okay. And it's the contest whoever gets the closest gets the toolbox that's sitting in my garage. Well, how do they guess the clo- you've gotten you guess so many products. So without they, going over. What do they get like a point for getting close or something? I don't Yeah, you just basically whoever's the closest to each one gets a gets the most points. And then whoever has the most points at the end they get a toolbox. We need to talk to Greg about this cuz I think it's brilliant. <laughs> if he hates it then we're in trouble. Well, I think we do the R&D. We already have a D bag here. Well, we've got three. But we'll use this one that actually came from deck rather than the two that came from different mothers. And we already have access to a drawer system, and we already have a toolbox. We just need him to send us a D-box and a cross-box. I'll use the Truck Show podcast money, you know, all that T&E that we have. We do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to use it to buy all the Dr. Peppers for our R&D project so that we can get those numbers down. You're going to buy Dr. Pepper for under the R&D line item? Yes, and then I'm going to just <laughs> store those uh, here in the refrigerator at the studio. Ah, I like that. You see what I'm doing here? Yes, very creative. Are you uh, picking up what I'm putting down? I am uh, reading what you're writing. Are you counting the cans in my container? <laughs> okay. I could have gone sideways. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. Uh, so maybe we need to talk to Greg, but if uh, if we do decide to go- You mean this... Chopper. I'm not familiar with Greg. Uh, that's right. We do need to talk to Chopper. Yeah. I am thinking right now- that you need to go to deck.com and do a little research on each of these items if you're interested in getting that crossover toolbox out of my garage. So they'd be smart if they figured out like the uh, interior uh, uh, storage capacity. Right. Of each item. Of each item. Like the volumetric capacity of each item. Something like that. Deck.com is where you need to head. Do a little research. In preparation. Or if you know where I live, just uh, show up to my house. I may just give it to you. It's taking up the spot in my garage where my <laughs> wife parks. <laughs> I think that would, might scare your wife. Yeah, so don't do that. Randos just showing up at you. <laughs> hey, I came to get the deck truck. Get out! She'll be like, okay, does that does that mean uh, my car can go back in the garage? It's then possible. So she might give it away. It's true. Moving right along, uh, were you in any police pursuits this week? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. 
All right. Well, that's uh, that's good because if you were, I would suggest heading over to DuraLastParts.com where you can check out their Pursuit Pads and Pursuit Rotors. The Pursuit Pads are specially designed for vehicles making repetitive high-speed stops, advanced application-specific friction formula that reduces brake fade for consistently superior stopping power, up to 35% thicker shims, OE slots and chamfers to neutralize vibrations and eliminate noise, and a powder coating backing plate designed to test to prevent corrosion. They pair beautifully with the Pursuit rotors, which offer advanced thermal control for frequent, fast stops. These rotors are fully zinc-coated to reduce rust and excess wear from road grime and debris, and they are application-specific with their metallurgy for improved heat dissipation and reduced wear. They're available for over 93% of all vehicles since 2000 and newer. All right, the next time I'm being chased by police, I'll make sure I dip off the road into an auto zone and pick up some pursuit pads and rotors. I was actually talking to our law enforcement friends out there for their vehicles because I want them to be able to chase you down. Ah, like the animal you are. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman I don't think we need to sing along with that every time, do you? It never gets old, at least not after uh, 161 episodes. Yeah, with all the uh, the SEMA episodes and all the bonuses, we're probably over 170, is my guess. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you know what I love about the show? That it never gets better? Uh, no, I was going to say the opposite, that <laughs> it does get better. We started uh, with such a low bar mm-hmm. that our next guest clearly is taking us into the stratosphere. So you're saying having Sharif Marakbi... On our show, yeah. will elevate both you and I. Uh, he has to. He's the executive vice president of R and D for Magna. He might be one of the top five most important guests we've ever had on this program, and he's going to really? teach us and our listeners a bunch of stuff that we never would have known otherwise. I don't believe you. So go ahead and dial and prove me wrong. Hi, Sharif speaking. Sharif, it's Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Fantastic. Hey, before we can give you an official uh, hello, we've got a quick intro, so don't move. It's the Utah Drum, baby. Yes, it is. It's the Utah Drum now. Uh-huh. It's the Utah Drum, baby. It's time for you to share what you do. Uh-huh. So, Sharif, uh, you are the executive vice president, I guess, of R&D at Magna. Now, is that, should we, should is we, that correct? Should we feel embarrassed that we just played that intro for him? Yes, we okay. should. We should absolutely <laughs> feel <That's>, embarrassed. <laughs> that is correct. That's correct. So, I was looking over your uh, your LinkedIn profile, and you have at least 20 jobs that were uh, 400% more important than anything I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but I've, <laughs> I've enjoyed all of them. I mean, everything from, uh, of course, you have your MBA. You've worked at Ford Motor Company. You worked uh, at Uber. You are at Magna, which no, a lot of don't, people don't know. So, well, real quick, Magna is one of those companies nobody has heard of, and every single person has touched a Magna product and not known it in their in their daily life. Yes, 
But it would surprise me if he was an Uber driver for just a second. I'm yeah, pretty sure he wasn't an Uber <laughs> driver. No, I was I was not an Uber driver. Actually, I worked on, on autonomy. So, no, I worked on all kinds of cool tech, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you guys uh, had heard, but there was a, uh, a baseball player who was a pitcher, and I mm-hmm. can't remember who it is, and he famously, the, the millionaire, and famously in the offseason became an Uber driver because he was so bored, he was just interested in meeting people. And could you imagine, like, you pull up and it's your favorite pitcher is driving an Uber? I mean, that's awesome. You know, you know, I've been in many Ubers in my lifetime, and uh, and and I've heard all kinds of stories. It doesn't surprise me. I love it. Like, that's just one of those things where you're like, just you know, it's it's the Uber is one of those things where it's like the, um, I guess the, great, the great equalizer. equalizer. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where you know, it's like the DMV. Everybody has to go there, right? It doesn't matter who you are, how poor, how rich, Absolutely. how famous. <laughs> so it might Absolutely. It might it, it might he, help it might help him stay grounded to go out and pick up some <laughs> people on a Saturday Uber, night, yeah. right? Pick up a couple, you it's, know. So, it's so funny you say that uh, you know, everybody's touched a Magna product because it's it's very true. I mean, Magna is, is the number one uh, supplier to the auto industry in North America and very few people have heard of it. And I mean, Magna does everything from interior pieces, seats, transfer cases, and some of the, f- the future tech that we want to hit on. I mean, literally all these different parts of the vehicle, someone somewhere listening has, I guarantee, interacted with Magna's products and had no idea that it was a Magna supplier who put those in your Ford vehicle or wh- whoever else, because everybody uses them. Now, this is lightning speaking. I have, a, I have a different relationship to Magna that I think anyone in this room, okay. and maybe even uh, Sharif. So, sure. so it, the uh, Magna was started by Frank Stronach, right? And that's right. He also is famously a a, a horse aficionado, thoroughbred racer, and owns tracks all around the country. My wife and I were married at one of his tracks, Santa Anita. We were one of two couples ever married at that track. That is a weird, is it a weird one, wow. right? So I feel like I'm bonding right now with Sharif. Yeah, you're not. Like, no, we're not. Sharif, no. this has nothing to do with anything. I can. Why am I on this I, show? I'll tell you, I am. I am very impressed. I am so <laughs> impressed. And uh, you know, even though I've only, you know, I've been less than a year at Magna, I just, I just know everything about what you're talking about. And you know, we call ourselves uh, a 60-year-old startup, which well, is very uncommon in this world. Well, the, the company started as a tool and die manufacturer way back in the late 50s, right? And then evolved into auto parts. A global powerhouse, really. Yeah. All in, well, that's in, right. That's right. It started by, you know, bending metal to, to start with. And now it's only one of seven groups or seven divisions at Magna, all the way to to engineering and manufacturing a, a full car. I mean, that that's unbelievable. The amount of effort that takes and to have a company that essentially is to that level, but Again, there's no brand recognition there. Everything is behind the scenes, and you would never know that Magna has maybe built your specialty vehicle or Magna supplied those particular pieces to the truck you're driving right now. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the, you know we, we actually pride ourselves just many, many uh, OEMs or original equipment manufacturers or uh, car or truck manufacturers. We manufacture vehicles for them, and, and uh, it's actually been really great because then – we know everything about you know what what certain things mean to the full truck or the full car versus if we're just providing parts. Now, at what point, Sharif, does that cause a potential conflict where you know so much about their business, you could just Magna could just break off and do it themselves? 
Well, it doesn't really, because we, we've committed uh, in the industry to supply and engineer full vehicles uh, and components to the auto industry. So what, we, don't have, we don't have a name recognition. Maybe you can call it on purpose, because we don't want to have a Magna branded uh, truck or vehicle but we provide everything. So it doesn't really have an, any, any issues with the conflict of interest or anything like that. So I'm really impressed uh, that uh, of your role at Magna, and we'll dive into that in a minute. Uh, but I'm also happy that you left your many, 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 many years at Ford, where you were the president and CEO of Ford Autonomous Vehicles, because I don't know if I love you or hate you because you're the guy who's taking my steering wheel away and putting me in a uh, driverless pod. He's going to give you a joystick at best. No, I don't want that. What I, but I like the new Sharif who is involved in, uh, in future truck development. I like that version a lot better. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is when, you know, this is new for me too, to, you know, not the technology or the, the work, but just working where I see it. Uh, many, you know, uh, my customers or our customers are every single truck manufacturer in the world. So you see the whole, you know, you see a lot more. And to be honest, one of the things I, I do really enjoy is serving the entire industry globally. And that's very different than just working for one manufacturer. Before we dig into the uh, the nuts and bolts, can I ask you, Sharif, do you think the future is bright for truck enthusiasts? Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, I'm, I am, uh, I have been, I've had six different trucks in my lifetime and absolutely it's bright. I like that. All right. Okay. Out of those six, which one was your favorite? Ooh. Um, I, <laughs> well, I mean, I like, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I've obviously worked for many, many years for uh, Ford Motor Company. So one of my favorites has been the Ford Ranger. And uh, just because it's, it suits me better in terms of size, but it's, it, I was really excited that it, it came back a couple of years ago, and uh, I have one in my driveway. As nice. a uh, former Ranger owner who had a Ranger as his very first truck, and then as uh, his second truck, and the first uh, vehicle that uh, I bought brand new, I'm a huge fan of Ranger, so Ranger coming back was a big deal because it was heartbreaking when Ranger went away and Ford neglected the platform and other people played in the, the mid-sized truck space. So funny that you mentioned that. I actually just got out of today, and I think we'll, we, we'll be talking about it in an upcoming episode, the new uh, 2021 Ford Ranger Tremor, which is their new off-road package to compete with the Chevy Colorado ZR2 and the Tacoma TRD Pro. And uh, I'll be able to talk about my driving impressions and about that package, and we'll have some Ford representatives here uh, in, in an episode or two. So uh, I, I'm also with you. The, the Ranger's a great little truck, and uh, I, I'm excited for that. And then the next gen with the Ranger Raptor, that's going to be awesome. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely going to tune in and to hear your perspective. I like that. Did you have anything to do with it before you left Ford? Uh, no, I actually did not work on that. I worked on uh, different cars on body on frames, uh, similar to trucks, but I did not work on the Ranger directly. Okay. Do you have, uh, are you partial to gas, diesel, or now electrification? Definitely electrification. Full electrification, like BEV, or do you think hybrid is is really the, the more practical answer, at least now as we survey the infrastructure around the country and, and what an average driver goes through? Well, I, you know, just to, to put it in perspective, I mean, trucks, 
is one of the toughest segments for electrification. And let me explain that. If, if we have a, a personal owned vehicle and you're not driving across the country and you have limited driving, an electric vehicle would suit you well. If you have a, if you're part of a commercial vehicle that does the, the let's call it the milk run or just go around the block a few times or does certain runs every day that are predictable, an electric vehicle also works well. Trucks, as, as, a, as a former and current truck owner, uh, you've got to have the torque, you've got to have the power, you've got to have the towing, you've got to have the things that the reason why you buy a truck. And electrification, uh, pure electrics may not be the right thing for you, but therefore you're starting to see more hybrids and maybe in the future plug-in hybrids as well, which allows you to uh, go the long distance, to have the power, to have the, the torque, to have a lot of things that you need as a truck owner. So I do think that it's going to be a variety. It's going to start with hybrid electric all the way to pure electric. And you have a choice to make based on your driving and what you what suits you. So you bring up some really good points, and I call it a tapestry of technologies. You know, obviously, full electric is going to be an interesting thing. For example, us who live out here in California, where we can't all have our air conditioning on on the same day without a brownout, <laughs> if they mandate all electric vehicles, right, that's that's part of the, the problem and not necessarily the solution. And we're deactivating our last uh, nuclear pl- uh, power plants out here, Diablo, and the San Onofre also was... Uh, was decommissioned. So now we don't have that type of power and you have to pull the grid from somewhere. And so there's all these kinds of, I guess, uh, competing interests within electric vehicles. Whereas I think uh, a hybrid electrification rather than a straight battery electric vehicle kind of splits the difference a little bit. You still have the infrastructure of a gas station, but you still have the benefit of having a, you know, uh, electric motor on board, which obviously, you know, zero or a hundred percent torque at zero RPM, you know, for doing those truck tasks. And like you said, around town, short drives, a truck battery electric vehicle is great. Although, you know, you have the Cybertruck coming, you've got Rivian coming, you've got Bollinger, you've got a lot of these different startups uh, in the battery electric space. And for me, it's always the same issue. Number one, it's range anxiety because, you know, a a truck person has, you know, who's going to go out on an adventure needs to find a way to fill up that vehicle uh, to have the range they want off-road when they're not a part of the highway system or where the infrastructure lives. And then the other thing that's interesting is also when you're looking at the big rig market, and I know you guys are working on a solution to this, so this kind of brings us to the next topic. One of the issues with battery electric vehicles and say a semi-truck is the size of, I guess, the capacitors or the wiring to, to take it from either the battery pack, the fuel cell, whatever, into the motor, but to be able to sustain it, to uh, have thermal management properly um, calibrated for that vehicle so that it can offload that massive amount of energy, say a semi at 80,000 pounds climbing I-70 in Colorado, to get to the top and still have energy to come down the other side. And I know that you guys are working on EV driving compo- uh, drivetrain components uh, designed to maintain that payload capability that people are used to seeing in consumer trucks and, and thinking of this broader picture. And I think that that is probably the next place I want to go. And also... Uh, fast charge technologies. I think that's the biggest impetus to the guy who's in Texas who is going to drive a thousand miles with his show horses. He's not going to want to wait several hours to fill up that truck. He's going to want to go have a cup of coffee, 
fill up at the gas station and, and move on down the road. So let's talk about some of the things you're working on that will allow true truck uh, owners to have that same experience that they get with an internal combustion engine. No, you make a lot, a lot of great points. Um, so just starting with uh, to get f- a, you know a big portion. First of all, uh, pickup trucks and trucks are one of the largest segments in in the U.S. So there's always a portion of those uh, folks, those drivers, that different electrification technologies would fit their lifestyle. So let's talk about a bit about lifestyle. If if someone just wants better fuel economy uh, with all the the bells and whistles and all the things they get on their truck today, the easiest um, technology to get would be the hybrid electric. Because uh, to your point, you don't need to charge it. You can gas it just like you normal. There's no infrastructure that you need, but you get better fuel economy. Then you go all the way to electric. And to your point, electric has some things that a lot of us are working on to get to the point where someone would would just jump into their truck and drive it the way they would drive it, charge it the way they would gas their current vehicle in the same amount of time, and then have the torque and the power to sustain uh, their their drive cycle, you know, whether they're going up a hill, uh, coming down. So what we are working on is, um, you know, the interesting thing is, a lot of the technologies, this is what I love about this industry, is so many things, whether you're working on seats or, or instrument panels or, uh, or you're working on the sheet metal or working on anything in the vehicle, you can, you can do certain things that would help today's vehicles that are gas-powered and, and tomorrow's vehicles that are electric power in a very similar way. So let me explain that. You can lightweight materials, and that has been a very strong trend over the many decades. Uh, Today's um, vehicles have a lot of plastic instead of uh, metal, aluminum versus high-strength steel, different types of material, composites, different mix of different materials. So Magna is definitely working on lightweighting in everything that we do and everything for the industry. The second one is efficiency. Think about a truck, think about the battery. The battery is huge. The battery is expensive. And it, you, know, the, you can get the same uh, benefit by increasing efficiency in the drivetrain. And to your point, you have a big battery. What is an electric car? An electric car is, and I'm just gonna try to simplify it. It's more complex than that, of course, but it's, it's a battery. It's wiring that goes into uh, inverting an inver- something called an inverter goes into a motor and then you have a mechanical link to the wheels. And then of course you have all the accessories, all the comfort and things that people like. Now, what we have to do is work on every piece of efficiency. And we, are, uh, we have electric drivetrains that we develop uh, to get to over 95% efficiency. That's our target. And an internal combustion gonna... engine is what, by example, what's the efficiency of a modern ICE engine? Well, actually, it's interesting, that point, because the efficiency of an ICE engine is actually less than that. It's about half of that. Hmm. But then you can gas it. 
you can guess it in what three to five minutes. It, so you can guess your vehicle. For so in going back to gassing and refueling, that's the other thing that I think you know people have to think about is when your gas tank is empty and you have you know uh, thirty gallons of fuel. That's like you know what almost three hundred pounds that you lose off the vehicle as that gas is consumed. Whereas with electricity you're always pulling around that battery pack no matter how much charge is in it. And so you going back to efficiency is a really important point because you have to make every aspect of that vehicle as efficient as possible because you're always going to be carrying that extra weight around. Absolutely. That's a really good perspective. Um, and and the, talking about gassing and charging, uh, we in our life uh, time, we've, we're all used to stopping at a gas station and, you know, filling up the tank in in five minutes or less. Uh, And the charging is not to that point. You mentioned earlier, um, we call it DC charging, which is the fast charge stations that you see on many highways in California and in other states. And it's still not to that point where you can do it in three to five minutes and not lose any, uh, any life of your battery because that's another challenge by, by continuing to, to fast charge. So many folks have their chargers at home and that we call those uh, level two chargers. So those are better than what you have in your house, but not to the, not to the level of a fast charger. So funny and you uh, that, mentioned charging real quick, Sharif. I just went through this today. Yeah. I'm, I'm having my electrical panel at my house swapped out. I currently have a 100-watt panel or 100-amp panel. I'm going to 200-amp service. Why? Uh, because uh, houses you know, take more stuff. If we want to add a jacuzzi, I want to be able to charge work vehicles from the garage because I'm taking home more. That's an ugly picture home. of you in a jacuzzi. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> uh, I, the good thing is if you put soap in, it makes bubbles, and you can't you just oh, see I my ugly see head. Okay, yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. All right, yeah. good. And um, so we're, I was talking to my contractor today, and a typical level two likes something like 50 or 60 amps, I think, is on a 220. And I was excited because I'm like, my house in, was built in 65, and it was, quote, unquote, a house of the future where everything was electric. And so the oven mm-hmm. was electric, and the stove was electric, and, I bought, and, and the only things that were gas were the water heater and the fireplace. And I since redid my kitchen, and I, I took out the electric stuff and freed up some circuits and amperage and ran gas in there. And I had this great 220 dryer outlet in the garage, which isn't being used because the dryer's gas and it plugs into a standard 110. And I'm thinking, oh, if my electrician can just tap into that, I can throw a level two in here pretty easy because I already have 220 in the garage. He's like, yeah, yep. but you only have a 10-gauge wire, so you're stuck at 30 amps. It's like, oh, <laughs> rats. <laughs> so I got to run That's a conduit. So well, some, uh, you know what, Sharif? You did do, we, we touched on earlier um, the, the, the wire diameter. You know, you're like double, double lot. It's yeah. massive stuff. And how do we get that down? Is that a higher voltage? And like, how do we work through some of those things? And then the battery tech itself, your wave, the stuff that you're seeing at Magna is what, seven years ahead of where the customer will see it? And, and what does that look like? What does the battery tech look like? We've, we've heard of words like graphene batteries and all these things. Like, or fast charging where people are saying you can do an inductive fast charge where you'll take a truck, dropping off a trailer, pull over a mat, and it'll you know, be able to 50% charge in the 10 minutes you offload the trailer or something Just like that. Just don't let or, any animals walk across it or anything? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, well, you 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 guys are you guys are very knowledgeable about this stuff. That the ch- you know, there's a lot of technology that we're working on, and the whole industry is working on. Uh, like the examples you mentioned, the challenge is always 
the practicality. Like if you have if you have uh, inductive charging, uh, you can even have inductive charging while you're driving if you want on the highways. Uh, the challenge is going to be, you know, if you have something you know run under the truck or uh, if you have an animal or something. So there's a lot of things that we are uh, looking at. However, I just want to bring up a couple of things. Batteries still have a long ways to go in terms of what we call as, you know, in the industry, energy density, power density, you know, basically how much power can you get out of the space that you, you squeeze the battery in and the chemistry that goes into the battery is a science by itself and a lot of work is happening on the chemistry most of the batteries that are out there today uh, are lithium ion batteries i mean that's kind of what's most of the manufacturers are using and they use something called an electrolyte or uh, a, f a flammable material inside the battery and the next generation of of things called solid state batteries are going to get rid of that electrolyte uh, the next is going to be simplifying the process, uh, getting the batteries out sooner so we can put them into vehicles and we can get more range. Life of the battery that is affected by, when you, when you talk about things like fast charge, the life of the battery deteriorates over time. Think about your cell phone battery. Uh, if you have a cell phone that's three or four years old, uh, the battery isn't going to last as long. Uh, so those types of things are all things that, whether it's chemistry, uh, cooling of the batteries to maintain at room temperatures, uh, batteries are like humans. They like to be in, uh, in, in normal temperatures. What happens if you live in somewhere like Canada with some extreme weather where it's, you know, negative 30 degrees or something like that, or you live in Death Valley and it's 120 degrees? And move, not, not move, even, just well, yeah. move. <laughs> like, yeah, but if your range yeah. isn't long enough anymore, you might, you might not be able to get out. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. That's why some of the technologies that we're working on, and it's already in some vehicles, is to maintain room temperature while you're charging. So you think about the electric vehicle, even in Canada, electric vehicles, it's still, you're still charging it, even in the cold. And it's part of the energy that is used in charging is to keep the battery at, at higher temperatures than the sub-freezing uh, weather. But I wanted to bring up even, in, you know, w batteries don't like sub-freezing weather or even very hot weather. So, uh, because when you have very hot weather, even the, if you're driving your truck, you're gonna run the AC. Well, the AC takes out quite a bit of the range. So you can cool yourself or you can have more range. And of course we like to do both. So that's one of the challenges. In colder weather, you're running your defrost, which is just as bad as the air conditioning. Man, we're selfish. You're running, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that's the point. So we have to, we really have to continue the the technology around the cooling, around the the chemistry, and talk about wiring. The wires are very thick. To your point, they actually happen to be orange in most of the electric vehicles, uh, for for obvious reasons. People can see them easily. So the industry now, there's more electric vehicles that are running at higher voltage. So instead of 400 volts that you see in, in, in current uh, vehicles, uh, the industry is going to 800 volts. Well, that enables us to lower the gauge or the, the diameter of the wiring, therefore the weight, therefore the, you know, the, the way that you're running the, the current throughout the vehicle. 
So all of these are technologies that we're working on in addition to efficiency and light weighting and everything else. And last, I wanted to bring up the one important point, which is uh, when we talk about AC or defrost or whatever we want for our comfort, uh, we're also one of the worst ways to lose energy in a vehicle is to just blow hot air inside the cabin. Really? So, yeah, yeah, it's really, really bad for energy. So therefore, but all cars do that. So one of the things that we, we are spending a lot of time on is targeted heating and cooling. So you think about your seats and you think about if you get into a, uh, I know, I know you guys live in LA, so it's, it, you don't have that challenge. Hey, hey, hey. I, it, uh, it was 44 degrees the other morning. And, uh, I just want to tell you, Sharif, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I'm all ready for the battery life with targeted heating because already now I get in even on a 75-degree day and I just turn on the seat heater. Yeah, no, no. and to <laughs> your point, Shreve, is that I'll get in my wife's car or some of the newer cars that I have at work, and if it has a seat heater and a steering wheel heater, those are the yeah, only yeah. things I need. And they're like cool air on the rest of me while yes. my hands and back are nice and right. toasty. Well, I'll, have to, I'll give you guys a, a good, a good uh, tidbit here. It was 12 degrees this morning where I live. Well, that's why we don't live there. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. But to your point, if you you have a a seat heater and a steering wheel heater, you don't need as much hot air blowing uh, from the vehicle, especially if you're a single driver. So there's a lot of things, and you use less energy by doing that. So we spend a lot of time on energy use in vehicles. And what that translates in today's vehicles, uh, gasoline vehicles, is fuel economy, better fuel economy. But for an electric vehicle, it's a lot more significant because it means the difference between uh, making it to where you want to go or not making it. Uh, That's the electric range. So it's super important. So when you are working for a company like Magna, where you guys obviously have a lot of R&D and a lot of technology happening at once in different segments... I would imagine that there's some sort of talking back and forth between the divisions, that they're not solely siloed independent companies, and so that even as you're developing more efficient processes or outcomes for electric vehicles, I would imagine that even a a traditional internal combustion engine or even a hybrid vehicle can benefit from some of your advanced learnings from the technology you're working on and make so, you know, the gas vehicle, I feel like it's going to still be around for a long time and can get more efficient based on things you guys are already working on for, for other uh, platforms. Absolutely. I mean, one is uh, I wanted to share that we're, we are very excited about the future and electrification and a lot of things that we're doing, even in a, in a pure electric vehicle, uh, fast forward years from now, where you're going to have a significant part of the market being pure electrics, you still need seats, you still need doors, you still need sheet metal, you still need a lot of things that we do, but we are we use something called a, a building block approach. So we're not sure, if you ask me when exactly electric vehicles will take off to what uh, level, uh, I can't tell you that. But what I can do is make sure that Magna is ready with the components, so that's the building block approach, so whether it's electric motors, inverters, uh, or anything else that goes into an electric vehicle, uh, we are ready when the market takes off. And the market is, you know, I, I started working on electric vehicles 15 years ago. So for me, seeing, uh, seeing the 
the blossoming and the increase of electric vehicles in the market is, is very exciting. It's really, really exciting because I've been waiting for this for so long. Now, we, now we're ready and we have to make sure that we can continue to tweak and improve these technologies. So for a truck owner, electric truck can do everything they want in a gas truck today and it can fit their lifestyle with their charging and everything else. And we're not there yet. We, we have to just continue working on this. Sharif, when you started in electrification or battery electric vehicles in this part of the industry 15 years ago, did you think we would be here at this point? Or did you think this was work that was laying the foundation for the next generation of engineers? Um, I was really hoping I would see the increase and, and the penetration of electric vehicles and trucks in my lifetime, and I'm seeing it. So I'm really excited about that. Um, one of the key challenges in an electric vehicle, and you guys can go look at any electric vehicle out there, is it's more expensive than gas vehicles. For us to make sure that we can get to a price parity, we have to work on all these components. And half of the cost of an electric vehicle roughly is the battery. So, wow. and the battery has so many different things that we can work on and we are working on. Uh, Sharif, I wanted to go back just a, a hair and, and talk about energy density, uh, like diesel compared to a battery. I, I figured there was just kind of a tipping point. At some point, the energy density in battery technology would uh, would outweigh the, the energy density in, say, diesel for, for trucking and, and, and pickup trucks that we drive. But it seems like that's we're not going to get to the part where one is better than the other, one is denser than the other. Uh, electric is just going to be kind of pushed on us by either by regulations. regulations. Or- yeah. So can you speak to that at all? What, is your, what does your gut tell you? Sure, sure. I, I mean, I, my gut tells me that um, we need to be in a cleaner environment for many obvious reasons. And therefore, whether it's gasoline or diesel, uh, with CO2 emissions and everything else, we've, we've got to, as a society, for my own kids, for our kids, we have to move on to electric, but not at the expense of some of the things that you're mentioning. So energy density is, is not at the same level as uh, gasoline or diesel. However, energy density is just one of many things in an electric vehicle. Uh, to me, when I look at the, the, uh, the industry, uh, 10, 15 years ago, there was a theory that you could have a gasoline vehicle that you can convert to an electric vehicle and, and it all will work out. Well, now you're starting to see, and Tesla has done a, a nice job as an example of having a pure electric uh, platform. So the whole vehicle is made to be an electric vehicle. And now you're seeing many other manufacturers doing the same and now you're getting the 200 miles, the 300 miles, the 400 mile range, which is what people really would expect in their daily drive to be comfortable because of range anxiety and everything else. Not that they're using all that, but they need to be comfortable with that. So we're reaching that point by packaging things in vehicles. Now we have to work on all the other aspects of it, the weight, the, the, the safety continuing to improve the chemistry, the life of the battery, uh, the charging, to your point, uh, how do we make the charging convenient versus you have to take off and, 
and wait for you know 15, 20 minutes or 30 minutes to, to charge your vehicle and you're affecting life. So there's a lot of lifestyle changes that we have to make. And my gut feel tells me electric, pure electric is gonna happen. Um, it's happening and it's faster than I thought, which is really great news. Like some of the, uh, you know, a major automotive manufacturer just announced that 2035, they wanted to be all electric. I think everyone knows that. And yeah. it, can we can we hit that? Is that realistic or is that just a posturing a pr- now? Cause is look, it, is it at, a press release? Look how much stuff was said 10 years ago that hasn't come to fruition. Right. So is that believable, Sharif? I mean, you know what? It, where are jetpacks? Yeah, where's our have, no? Where's our flying cars? We're supposed to have jetpack. <laughs> yeah, I know. Get on that. <laughs> well, he might be. Oh yeah, Magna does do everything. I'll, I'll tell you. I I think you're you're right. I mean, we we said as an industry some things ten years ago that did not materialize. Um, I do. I'm I'm very optimistic on electric vehicles from one perspective. One of the biggest challenges of electric vehicles is, uh, I mean. You guys talk about the the exact segment that has the biggest challenge, which is the trucking segment, because if you can't tow, if you can't, if if someone gets the the vehicle to do certain things, it it doesn't matter if it's electric or gas or diesel, it has to do those things. So things are being overcome. um, And if you're talking about a, a, a passenger vehicle, it's much easier because it's lighter, it's easier, it's not towing. It's not doing anything. So a long way of saying, uh, I do think that 2035, 2035 is probably about four generations from now. So it's not oh, wow. a long time, but it's, but it's, it's four generations. Cause every, you know, I'm every generation I'm using is about four years. But um, if you look at the industry, I, I do think it's, it's practical to think that by 2035, you'll see a pretty big portion of the segments and the market go into electric because the cost will continue to come down. The energy density will continue to get better. Uh, The performance will continue to get better. The safety will get better. So I I do see the the strong investment uh, by Magna and many others in in the industry in all these technologies. And it's not like it's a secret what we need to do. We really need to work on all those aspects and, and things will happen. Now, you've just recently announced a, a joint venture with LG. We we as consumers know LG for televisions and all that stuff. Uh, South Korean company that LG stands for, Lucky Gold Star, but we know it. they're marketed <laughs> here in the States as LG. Yep. What, what does that yep. mean, Sharif, for Magna? It means a lot. Um, for an electri- any kind of electrification, so not just pure electric, but hybrids, um, even uh, what what we call start-stop. So a very low level of hybrids uh, all the way to to a full battery electric. The electric motors and the the inverters are put in different places and they're sized differently to get the power, to get the, you know, it's no longer a world of engines and transmissions. It's a a world of, uh, of electric motors and inverters and packaging and right how that affects the passenger compartment and oh absolutely shape of the absolutely. vehicle yeah absolutely so you want to really hide everything away meaning the customer would not notice this is a this is something that that stands out or gets in their way so the the jv that magna created with lg electronics 
is LG Electronics is one of the biggest manufacturers and designers of electric motors and inverters in the world. Uh, LG Electronics provides uh, electric motors and inverters for many manufacturers. By JVing with, with, with LG Electronics, Magna, which has been doing electric powertrains and electric e-drives, can package now those motors and can package those inverters in different ways for the different customers much faster. So it helps get the scale faster, it helps serve the manufacturers faster, and it helps package those things, whether it's an electric motor or an inverter, uh, in different shapes and forms at different power levels in Magna powertrains much faster than we would have done it on our own. It's almost like the way Apple, with their uh, MacBook Air, redefined batteries and reshaped them into different sizes and layers to fit the case to get the same amount of you know battery power from a non-traditional rectangular battery. So that sort of leads me to this question. What industry has had the most influence on automotive batteries? Is it consumer electronics? Is it something else? I, I, I would have to imagine that a lot of the battery technology that uh, has been brought forth that you see now in a consumer electronics probably has had an impact. Absolutely, it has. Uh, but I just wanted to highlight one thing. Similar to screens and vehicles, versus the batteries for automotive are manufactured if you walk into an, a, a battery plant uh, you won't recognize the the consumer side of it so while a lot of the technology came from consumer electronics whether it's cell phones or laptops or whatever uh, at much higher volumes the purity levels and the safety levels of automotive are much higher so therefore the manufacturers tend to be similar or the same but the, the line itself, the manufacturing is, is very different. But I do want to maybe expand on that. So the batteries, there's a ton of knowledge from consumer products on the batteries. And even in vehicles, you, you get all shapes and forms of batteries similar to what you see in, in consumer electronics. But also one of the biggest industries that have affected, I, we see a trend in automotive uh, affected by the laptop industry. Uh, if I go back, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and starting with the um, what what used to have a lot of compute and a lot of things in a very big package called a computer, now you could do it with a with whether it's an iPad or something very similar, or even on your phone, and use cloud, you know, technologies like cloud computing, edge computing, AI, and a lot of things that happen outside the vehicle but it helps the vehicle drive better. It helps it be safer. And that is definitely uh, an industry that we've studied to see where the future of automotive could be. It's funny, I remember when uh, Apple CarPlay uh, first came to the market and Apple was trying to get manufacturers to sign on and Ford famously said, they were, Ford was one of the manufacturers that was a little bit slow to adopt CarPlay, uh, famously said, we don't want a $400 phone to influence the price of a $35,000 car. And now, if you don't have <laughs> CarPlay, if you don't have that, that type of screen interface, you're not even a player in the automotive world right now. It's amazing. That's how much things have changed in maybe 10 years. 
Well, I, I, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you think about what's influenced automotive in the last in the last 10 years, that is one of the biggest uh, things where automotive used to be focused on vehicle dynamics and chassis and how things, you know, the, the, how much, you know, cornering and the, the G values and things like that. And now with the electronics revolution that we're seeing or we've seen in the last 10 years, uh, you're right. People, people won't even buy a car that doesn't have some of the, the electronics features that they're expecting. And one of the challenges in, in automotive in general is think about uh, your navigation system. Right. You can you can have you can have a navigation through your phone that is much faster than many vehicles today, but it takes even more time to develop that in in a vehicle. And but by the time you launch it, it's already old. So some manufacturers are starting to use OSs or operating systems that are similar to the phones or come from the phone. Or to your point, when you talk about Apple CarPlay or Android, Android. Auto. Yeah, those are things that you're using your phone technology to project in your vehicle. So it's a lot of change. And um, I, to, your, to your point, I know many people that would not buy a car without this technology. Well, you know, it's funny. It's, uh, you know, especially trucks used to be, you know, the late bloomer. We got everything last. Everything started in the luxury cars. But as trucks became the profit centers for manufacturers, now we're at a point where that technology comes in first. Look at the uh, the new F one fifty. Look at the twelve inch screen and the Ram fifteen hundred. Look at you know some of those things. Uh, Nissan Safety Shield three hundred and sixty in the Titan. All these types of things that used to only be in the cars are coming to the trucks. But what's fascinating to me is we got to a point where you had to have nav in your car, and then you got to a point where you're like, I want to send the the address from my phone to the nav in the car, and then it came to, I just want to have my phone do the nav because the nav in the car sucks, Right. and now <laughs> we're going to get to a place where you won't be able to use your phone nav because the car will be autonomous for a section of roadway, and the car's going to use its own, nap, uh, its own um, app uh, and map anyway to guide you to that destination while well, you take a nap, but <laughs> but it's it's funny it's funny to see how that technology has has leapfrogged back and forth between the device in your hand and and the wheel in your hand, if you will. Oh, it's it's it's. I mean, I will uh, share with you that it's it's. Uh, um, I've been in the automotive industry for about a little over thirty years. This is the most exciting time I've seen. Um, and we have to look at some of these transformational things because they really are transformational. Things will change. Things are changing as, as an exciting things to work on because we can make a truck uh, have all the technology that's available similar to a car. As a matter of fact, the, the whole you know, industry is moving in that direction anyway, to your point, whether it's SUVs or trucks. And the technology whether it you know you could you could name it is something that that is starting to get into trucks years ago to the point that of course some of the challenges in, in trucks now is also the price because we have to watch for that so but it is it is really exciting and most of this technology is actually many of the technologies even start on trucks now I, I want to go back really quick to uh, the battery technology because I don't want to miss one point, and I think that there's a lot of people listening who are familiar. Do they think that we're sellouts by now? Because yeah, probably because we're. But I'm excited about. It. I'm I'm still an internal combustion guy. I'd rather have a diesel. But there's exciting things in the electrification side that I think we want our listeners to know about. 
and that I'm excited for. Do I think they're quite ready for prime time? I don't. But having people like Sharif on to explain the technology, what's coming down the pike, the amount of R&D and thought and the, f- the fact that the, the truck enthusiasts or the truck owners' needs haven't been overlooked are things that will help us to get behind the new technology. But one area I wanted to touch on was going back to the batteries. We talk about the cleanliness of a, a zero emissions vehicle, although we have to look downstream to make sure you know where that, the power to charge them is coming from, and that has to be part of the equation as well. But there's two points I wanted to make. One is, uh, and, and hopefully you can you have an answer for both because I'm curious what your take is. Automotive batteries, after they lose what 75 or 80 percent of their life, are no longer good in an automotive application. Um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong because of the way the the charges used and the vehicles used. But I've heard that those batteries can be recycled into house batteries to store batteries <coughs> for your home if you have solar panels or things like that. So maybe talk about that for a moment. And then the other thing I really wanted to hit on, how do you address, you know, a lot of us who are in the truck market and are maybe a little bit resistant to, you know, electrics and people say your diesel's dirty, but that battery's clean. But then you see pictures online from a third world country being strip mined for lithium. At what point does that not become an issue for the acceptance of batteries that the, the whole process is cleared? And is there new chemistry and technology on the horizon that would eliminate some of those mining and, and uh, rare earth minerals and specialized things in, in order to have a, a battery that doesn't require that type of, um, I guess, uh, pollution early on in the life cycle of the whole vehicle? Sure, sure. Uh, on the first point, um there, there is a threshold where the battery will continue to lose uh, charge and lose the ability to be charged uh, to 100%. I, I think you mentioned 75 or 80%. It could actually be a bit lower than that. But in general, uh, you're absolutely right. You could use and we should use the automotive batteries in what we call stationary applications. And stationary application could be your home, could be your you know, anything that doesn't require the, 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 the toughness of uh, having to be an automotive. And the, the life of the battery can be extended quite a bit by doing that. So uh, there's recycling, of course, that some companies are working on, including, you know, just, you know, Magna, obviously looking at that space as well. Uh, but before we recycle, we should see what we can do in stationary applications. So there's more and more businesses and more and more opportunities for, for stationary applications after the life of an automotive battery. So that's that's one. The second one is what we call the, the well-to-wheel cleanliness. So not just CO2 at the vehicle as it's driving, but all the way to where the where where the battery is being made and what is the source of energy for making the batteries and things like that. And I will share with you that there is a ton of research and development R&D that is happening to reduce the, the, the amount of rare earth material that goes into the cathode and the anode of a battery, uh, whether it's nickel or any of the other uh, materials. So you're going you're gonna to see more less and less of that difficult material that comes from difficult places in the world uh, go into batteries in the future. So that is absolutely a, a, an active 
research and actions are being taken to get the same or better performance with less rare earth material. I think to your point that you mentioned earlier about uh, you don't know where this energy is coming from or making sure that we understand where the energy is coming from. You're right. Uh, If if the energy being to produce a battery is coming from a dirty place, you really have to count that in the life cycle of the battery. So we got to watch for that. We got to watch where I know that, you know, looking at utilities and I've talked to many utility companies, a lot of energy is being spent on reducing the fossil fuel impact of the energy that people use, including in vehicles. And that needs to continue because uh, it will only help. Well, I mean, it's a it's an argument that we have on the a show a lot, not with us, but, you know, our, 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 our listeners will yeah. write us and stuff and say, look, you're trading one evil for another because they think that it's we're going to have huge pits all over the all over the world. And eventually we're going to burrow from one side of the planet to the other <laughs> just looking for yeah. lithium. And I, I don't think it'll get to that point, certainly. But that is something that we hear quite often. I want to put you on the spot for a second, though. Didn't we just Great. do that? We just put him on the spot. No, this one's <laughs> doing it again. No, no. So if that one's on the spot, then this one's on blast. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this one is going to require a, a timpani roll. Uh, being an insider, Sharif, do you have, an, uh, do you have an, a feeling as to who's going to come out an early winner in the electrification in the truck space, Tesla? Rivian, Bollinger, Lordstown, maybe the Ford F-150. How about our uh, friends at Atlas? Or Atlas. <laughs> or Amazon, a, for that matter. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really tough question, and uh, I, I wouldn't... Uh, and the answer is? And the answer is? I will tell you guys, I will tell you. It, um, <laughs> I, I do think that e-commerce, like companies that deliver things, are going to be a big winner in the commercial vehicle space and electric space because the volume, I mean, we all live in, I mean, we live today in the COVID era, but uh, outside of that, the e-commerce and the, the, the deliveries that happen every day to our home will continue to grow. So anything that in automotive that can move things versus people and can move them fast and can move them clean, clean, you know, in a clean way, uh, is is going to be, from my gut feel, is going to be a big winner. In addition to the whole autonomy space that I know that takes away some some of the people fun from driving vehicles will be a big winner in the e-commerce space as well. So I would... Uh, I would put my vote on e-commerce. Well, and you know what's funny is, uh, if you guys remember the old uh, Divco milk vans, where they the driver would let the Divco idle about two miles an hour down the street and he'd walk and he'd get out grab a uh, milk make the delivery run back to the truck and he would basically pace the truck and now you're talking about an autonomous amazon vehicle where the driver's no longer the driver he's the package deliverer (laughs) right and it's almost full circle that is weird. full circle to back when the divco milkman came by it's kind of weird right I know, I know. And by the way, I wanted to clarify one thing. I'm I'm not here to say that uh, trucks are going to be electric for everybody. I, I do think the segment is so huge and the number of people that love trucks and drive trucks is so big in the market that there's always a lifestyle for some of these uh, people, some of these folks, uh, that would uh, an electric truck would suit them. 
And all of these things, it's, is it prime time? Is it high volume? No, it's just going to take some time to work on these technologies. And we're in the middle of all that. I think it, with the truck market, you are going to be in a spot where in some ways, at least in the car market, probably because of regulations, it gets forced on you at some degree because of you know laws and rules and, and maybe even companies making decisions because of you know their social platform. Well, I mean, of, we, the Hellcat. Right? I mean, we just talked about it the last episode. Yeah, going they away have- soon because of emissions, things like that. But I feel like there'll be an opportunity for this technology to win the truck guy over, but it has to win him over. It has to prove that it can do all the things that your truck does today. And I think that there's benefits to it. But again, we're not quite ready for prime time. Although one thing, Sharif, you might have a, a, an answer for this. I cannot believe every, okay, Hummer electric vehicle with their Watts to Freedom, a thousand horsepower, Rivian 754, Tesla Plaid, and I'm reading all these press releases, and we're sort of in the wild, wild west of all these electric vehicle companies. They're like, 12,000 horsepower or <laughs> 8 million pound-feet of torque. And what, it's interesting because some of them are direct drive. Some of them go through a rear, uh, gear reduction unit, and they're quoting these wild horsepower mm-hmm. and torque numbers, but nobody's doing it the same. So it's like, is that at the output of the motor? Is that a- after the reduction gear to the wheel? What the hell is going on, Sharif? They, Why can't they tell us what's really <laughs> happening? They, they just need to come out and say, all the torque. It's, yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> the numbers are so big now, you almost don't even care. Because I've been in a vehicle that goes 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds. And I will tell you, it doesn't really feel different than a vehicle that goes to 0 to 60 in 3.5 or 2.7. At some point... You get to a point where it's so ridiculously powerful and you're getting so pumped full of adrenaline and the light outside the vehicle t- starts to stretch that it doesn't really <laughs> matter how much power there is. <laughs> I, th- I think I would just add, I, I agree with you. I think there's, there's, it's not a common definition. But the nice thing about electric vehicles from a consumer and driver standpoint is the instant torque feeling. Uh, electric vehicles do not have vacuum, do not have fluids, and you have this electric motor that you can, you know, you also have a very big battery in an electric vehicle that allows you to convert that energy into anything you want. That's why you're seeing electric vehicles with big numbers. But the most important thing, at least from a consumer standpoint, is how an electric vehicle feels upon acceleration. So, if I drive my, my pretty damn gasoline, good, as it turns out, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's called. I mean, we call it the instant torque. I'm sure most people call it instant torque, and it really is instant, and it feels instant, and it feels amazing. I love it. Yeah, it tickles you in places you didn't know you had. By the way, I just wanted to highlight that the faster it goes, the less energy it takes away from the energy, of course, that you can have, which means the electric range, but. Uh, the batteries have gone to the point now where you could get a 300 plus miles of range and still have this amazing acceleration so, with instant torque. So what I want to do is I want to have a battery system that's partitioned, just like on my computer, mm-hmm. and there'll be the the a hole mode where you can just blast. And once that's done, you've used up like 10 runs. You're right. just back. You know, <laughs> you, you still have enough range to get home. Dude, like I think that's how that works. I, I spent uh, like three hours a couple Saturday nights ago. I posted on Instagram yeah. where. Uh, so for my birthday, I got a Segway scooter. Right. And it's 36 volts, and it tops out at 18.6 miles I wrote per it. hour. I wrote you, it. You wrote it, but yeah. not since I modded it. So you were I talking about modding it because I'm like, I mean, it's cool, but it sort of so stops got, at 20. I got so I got an, uh, I got a 12 volt battery, 
<laughs> wired it in, so now it's 48 volts, and now it does 30 miles an hour. Which, it, which by wow. the way, the steering is right above the uh, the wheel, so like it's wobbly. There's no caster, dude. It, it's all scary. It's all fast. But it's all Sharif, scary. if you ever want to come down to Long Beach, I'll take you for a ride around the block. All right, all right. I gotta I gotta try that. I'm I'm gonna stick with the electric vehicles for now. Okay, and the right. helmet. And the helmet. And the helmet. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So but, we, you know, to your point, it's 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 really an amazing feeling. So we've been talking about batteries and electric vehicles, and I want to move a little bit away from the batteries because Magna is doing a lot of really awesome other tech in vehicles, and and they can go hand in hand with electric, but it's not necessarily about the powertrain, and that's the fact that you guys are doing fast reacting and ultra efficient four wheel drive with e lockers, and obviously that is allowing some really incredible capability. So maybe talk about some of those technologies that um, I guess are supplemental to the vehicle itself, but actually allow for that better off-road capability and the things that people are used to and, you know, like a, a Jeep or, you know, a forerunner or, or something like that. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, we, we, we're all used to the traditional mechanical all-wheel drive and, uh, you know, the gasoline world or the diesel world, which, which is great. That's what people are used to. In an electric, you have more uh, flexibility. So what we are working on, in addition to the powertrain and, the, and the, we have individual four-wheel drive units that's, that's run by electricity, so by, by cables instead of a mechanical that can give a significant off-roading as well uh, in, in, in it. And you're starting to see these on the market in the hybrid form, but we could do this and we are doing this in the electric form as well. Uh, the other technologies I wanted to, to share with you is um, because Magna can do, can engineer and manufacture a full car or a full truck, Magna knows the, the, the active aerodynamics in and the shape of the vehicle. I mean, obviously if, if, you are in a truck, you have a certain shape and you want to do certain things with it. Although, I mean, that's been changing as well, but, um, how the, to shut off the air that's going in, in, in the, in the big frontal of the vehicle and when to shut it off, when to, how to route the air around it, all that affects the range of the vehicle and how far you can go with the vehicle. And that you can call that efficiency. That's not powertrain. That's a full vehicle. But those are all things that we are working on. Uh, act, uh, call it active aero. Call it efficiency. Uh, managing the air around it. Also, the loads on the vehicle. Magna does lighting, for example. Uh, does moving parts in the vehicle. Of course, just you do. about every <laughs> yeah every part that moves in the vehicle, uh, Magna makes. And the less energy you use, you can put that back into an electric range or an, an or, or a fuel economy of today's vehicle. So it, it's not, you don't have to wait for electrification. You could do that in today's world. So we spend a lot of technology and R and D on reducing the energy that's used to do the same thing that the consumer likes to do. And from an off-roading, uh, I mean, you, you think about mechanical all wheel drive, you have a big hump in the middle of the vehicle. And most people don't notice it, or maybe they do. Uh, with an electric uh, drivetrain and, a, and, a, and an electronic uh, all-wheel drive unit in the back, you don't have that hump. You can run that with, with a cable. 
across from front to the back. So those are all technologies that are available. They may be subtle for people to notice or see, but they make a big difference. All right. So I'm glad you brought up active aerodynamics because I have a burning question that I need you to settle. And I'm guessing 30 years in automotive and working on all the things you have, you might have an answer. And that is when we were kids, we were told, turn the AC off, roll down the windows if you're hot because you get better fuel economy. And then as we grew up and got into the modern era of cars, people said, no, the AC is more efficient. Leave your windows up because the arrow on the car is so sensitive that rolling the windows down is going to put too much drag on the car. Well, now in the super aero but also efficient world of electric vehicles, which one do you do? Because AC takes up a lot of energy, and so does rolling down the window. Wait a minute. Hold on. Stop. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You just a light bulb. What? Please, Sharif, tell everyone to leave their tailgates up because putting the tailgate down is bad for aerodynamics. Yeah, that, that's not – trucks are designed with aero for uh, the tailgate up. But Absolutely, absolutely. So what's the answer? We don't know. I feel like I have this con- – the technology is advancing so fast, nobody's ever answered this question. And when well, I'm hot, me- I don't know what to do. <laughs> let me let me attempt here. So if in if everything stays equal, when you run your full blast air conditioning in the vehicle, that's what I was referring to earlier about blowing air on the on the inside the cabin is one of the worst things you could do because you're gonna lose 25% give or take of your fuel economy by running that AC or running the uh, the defrost in the vehicle if it, if the weather is cold. So on the other hand, if you don't, so, so the, the real answer is we, gotta, we continued over the many, many decades to reduce the energy that is used to run the AC. And we have to continue to do that so that you don't have to lower your windows. I would say run your AC, run your, if you're in a cold weather, run your heated seats or your heated steering wheel before you lower the window and and get the arrow all you know muddied up in the vehicle because that is a pretty big loss of energy. And you're right, uh, trucks are designed the way they're designed because leave your your you leave your gate up uh, in the back <laughs> because that is better for arrow. And we actually test trucks uh, in the industry that way. Listen, guys, are you listening to our voices right now? <laughs> The man has spoken. That's right. Leave your tailgates up. And by the way, all the new trucks, they have that little spoiler on the back for a reason. You get this uh, high-pressure bubble in the back, and the air flows off the cab over the top of that and right off the uh, the tailgate, and that's where you get good aero. Pickup right. trucks are designed to have good aero. Stop putting your freaking tailgates We've down. We've all seen leaves in the back of the dude's truck, and the leaves <laughs> just swirl <laughs> The swirls, there. yeah. They just swirl. Hey, so I, I have an interesting uh, question for you. Regarding Magna, now Magna's got an amazing culture there at the company. Uh, I've, yep. I, I'm curious, does the company or can the company work with entrepreneurs? So we have a lot of entrepreneurs in our listenership and guys and gals coming up with really fascinating ideas, some raising seed money, et cetera. Is Magna too big to work with uh, entrepreneurs or do you work, do you have skunk works like divisions that can... Uh, help foster new technologies with uh, with entrepreneurs? Actually, the easy answer to this is that's why my team exists, is is to look at innovation, not just across the traditional stuff, but with we call them newcomers or startups or 
people that uh, can work with Magna because Magna has the experience, but Magna can also learn about the speed and the agility and everything else. And one of the announcements we made just a couple of months ago is we're working with Fisker, who happens to be in your neck of the woods and, and other companies as well that we have not announced uh, to work with startups or newcomers in the automotive space. So we continue to do that. Uh, that's why I was calling earlier, we're a 60 year old startup because we really foster that culture. It is so important that we are agile and we can work with newcomers as well as traditional OEMs. That's the answer I wanted to hear. I'm, uh, I'm glad he said the right one. And now if, <laughs> if, if only you had some good ideas. I know, I've got plenty of good ideas. None that he wants. No, none that he wants at all. Hey, we're open to new ideas, and uh, we want to we wanna foster new ideas. We just need to keep, keep, keep at it, and uh, hopefully we bring something to the table, um, you know, from an automotive experience, and that's something that we can do, and we can do across all our divisions. Well, look. I, I think you're the first guest that doubles our uh, our collective IQ here in this in this room. Um, <laughs> no, but it, I don't honestly, know about that. it's 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 you're fascinating. I I love this. I, would you be willing to come on the uh, the show again with us in the near future? There's so much absolutely, more to talk about. Absolutely, I love you guys. This is this is a fascinating. Topic. <laughs> no guest has ever said that. Thank you. <laughs> that's not true. We there you go. go. There's always first. No, that's not true. We're actually very we're we're very blessed. We yeah. we do we have quite a few uh, uh, top tier executives we, that have been on the show. Yeah, we've had some amazing people from the automotive industry, Sharif. You're definitely one of those. I would love to have you come back. Um, because I think we only scratched the surface of some of the things you're working on, and obviously being in the automotive world. It, you know, there's stuff you can't talk about. So as as things happen, please let us know because we'd love to stay in touch and, and have you come back. And I just know that our listeners are going to go, you know what? That guy said a bunch of stuff I didn't understand and I was so into it. <laughs> yeah. um, Hopefully I try to be as simple, you know, to just talk in, no, in you, of, you you know, simple ways. So. I think that's what's magical is you're able to articulate yeah. complex, you know, thoughts into you're able to distill it for guys like us. No, it, it, it's great. All right, one last question. If you had to guess, how many years out? Do wait, wait, is this for a timpani? Sure, why not? Okay. Because you like sound effects. All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right, but you have to play this the game show music when he Got answers. Standing by. Okay. All right. Uh, how many years out do you see an electric one-ton pickup truck being able to directly replace in every way a diesel truck today? Ooh. Hmm. Um, I would say ten years. Ooh. Ten years on the board, everybody. Ten years. All right, we will check back with you in ten years. <laughs> right, no, sounds, no, 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 no. Sounds great, guys. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been really awesome, Sharif. We really appreciate it. Uh, Sharif Markaby, Executive Vice President of R&D for Magna. If you want to check out Magna, it's Magna International on Facebook, uh, at Magna-International on LinkedIn. You can find Sharif on LinkedIn. Uh, at Twitter, on Twitter, it's at Magna uh, INT and Instagram at Magna underscore INT. It's, what's weird is that they're listening to this podcast in their truck, and there is something Magna in their truck. Oh, literally, right this minute. Right, you might be sitting. You know what it is? It it's a- Sharif's voice on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hopefully, thank, more than that. Yeah, exactly. th- thank you so much. Let's stay in touch because we'd love to have you come back on. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. All, All right, right, talk soon. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Holman, I give Sharif a big... Yeah, buddy!
That was good stuff. I told you it was going to be awesome. Yeah, strong. Super strong. I, I, uh, we went a lot of places that I was hoping we would go, but you never know, like, somebody in that position, like, how, you know, guarded are they about the information they want to share? And he was awesome. Like, I mean, I- <laughs> Not I'd, guarded at all. I'd love to have him come back because I think we, you know, I, I hate to be cliche like I always am, but we just scratched the surface of that one. Yeah, it's fair enough. All right, well, you know what it's time for? No. I think it's time to test my timing. Oh. <laughs> hey, we haven't listened to it in a while. Really? You sure? <laughs> Are you sure? Are you positive? Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five. 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 Stars. Five stars. Right back at you, brother. Oh! You did it! I did it again! You did it! That was better than last week's. Woo! I'm the master! All right, if you're new to the show... For the first 20 times we played that jingle, 20? Holman- 20? You're talking like 50 times. Maybe more. Holman could not hit that last part where the guy says, right back at you, brother, because Ugh. it's not on the beat. No. And he just was decimating I just, it. I can't do it. You were an embarrassment for the first 100 times. I'm an embarrassment but, every show. But now that was on. I mean, that was, was that was better than last time. Yeah. That was like, when I was saying it, mm. I was worried I got it wrong because I actually couldn't hear what he was doing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I feel good. I feel pumped. So you got some uh, some five star reviews to read for us? No, no, these are uh, f- uh, five star hotlines. All right, so Holman, I don't think you th- you're confused. That jingle is for our five star reviews. When you read five star reviews from Apple Podcasts, not for the five star hotline. Oh, <laughs> so do we have reviews? Uh, let me go check. Okay, <laughs> all right, I'll just sit here and wait. All right, we got one here from JG six zero six thirty four. Says great show. If you like trucks. Well, okay. Okay, yeah. That's starting out all right. Sure. Says, uh, this is a great show if you're into trucks or anything associated with trucks. Lightning and Holman are very interesting on their own merits, but they always circle back to trucks. <laughs> Wait, we always circle back <laughs> yeah. to trucks? We get off base quite He's, often. <laughs> he says, uh, being from the East Coast, I have no idea what King Taco or Wiener Schnitzel has to offer, but I can only imagine. <laughs> I love that. Uh, they both have unique insider perspectives from their day jobs. Once you become a listener, you'll understand that each host has an interesting perspective to offer. They each have their own charismatic qualities, I wouldn't call it that, and provide interesting perspectives. The jingles are addicting. You'll find yourself singing them in between listening. That would be my only warning. The truck show jingles will become stuck in your memory, and you will recycle them in your mind, just like the song that doesn't end. Long review, but I hope they continue to produce it. And... Five stars! That was nice. Uh, that was you know good. what's funny? Uh, one of our listeners DM'd me a couple days ago, yeah. and he goes, Hey, Lightning, I know you're from SoCal if you understand the following word. Okay. Dot, 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 dur. That's all he wrote is dur, <laughs> D-E-R. And I'm like, you know it. Yeah. That's like dur that. wiener schnitzel. That's funny. Uh, they dropped the dur at one point, and now it's just wiener schnitzel, Dude, so it's old school. We would always be OG like, Kelly. What, do you, what do you want for lunch, dur? dur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, this one is from Average Listener 1, and I'm going to say that he only leaves average reviews as well. Uh, this one is uh, only two out of five stars. Oh. Like, what you got to do is dirty like that. The subject line leaves a little to be desired, I think. Good info. Bad format. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, he, you, no, he doesn't I mean, like the jingles. Yeah, he says the uh, show is very informative, but is incredibly cringe. Not cringeworthy, mind you, just cringe. The awful sound effects. Let me pause of, you right there. Yeah. So I think cringe maybe. I don't know. At first, cringe was all YouTube. Right. Cringe was all like you had to be 14 through 24, uh-huh. and everyone's like, "Oh, that's cringe." And now I find it's like now, moms, dads. Grandmas, grandpas, everyone's like, oh, that's cringe. Yeah. So 
I liked it when it was just young people who could say cringe. Yeah, now it's just everyone. Yeah, average cringe. listener one, your cringe reference jumped the shark. Sorry. He says the awful sound effects, the music, and seemingly fake enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> what, how dare you? You don't have any of that here. Yeah. Uh, was a big turnoff for me personally. If they just spoke normally instead of like telling a guest to hold on before saying something just to turn on some background sound effect, it might make things a bit more believable or real. Just be real, guys. More genuine conversation. Again, great info, but the format and personality ruined it for me. So is he still listening? Did he leave two stars and he bailed? Do we have a chance to earn a third star from him? I don't know. Dude. <laughs> We've had so much real conversation. This is real right now. Yeah. Kiss my ass. That's about as real as it gets right there. <laughs> what? All right. Moving right along to <laughs> Come on. Uh, shocks. This is from uh, Rywalds. The episode with the Bill Stein shock engineer, it's our friend Jason Engelman, is by far the best one. I love this type of info. And... Five stars. Hey, on the two stars. Was, was it harsh? Did I say kiss my ass? A little bit, uh, a little bit. But I, I was, take that back. Just only smooch my butt. I was going to uh, <laughs> go back to average listener number yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And give them a one star as a listener for not letting um, not letting the flavor of the podcast really envelop them. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, he was a little too quick on the on the trigger. Dude, you, we've told so many real stories. I talk oh my about God. my kids, my wife. You're talking about remodeling your freaking house. Yeah, We're just, yeah. like, how much? What, do you, uh, what real do you want? I mean, I put and, my and listen, pants on. Look, listen, I'm different than anybody. I put my pants on left leg first. That's some real talk right there. Look, it, if do you want us to talk like this every show <laughs> and just like this, just monotone? By the way, we it's like. I mean, it's not freaking NPR, dude. We're excited about trucks. Yeah, and by the way, we we are not. Fa- that's actually how enthusiastic we normally are. Look, just and, and, happy and, and, and Brosif, yeah, this may be de- de- defensive. <laughs> I worked on a morning show, a yucky yuck morning show, for twenty six years. This is the way I talk, like in real life. Yeah, they train me at banks anytime. Eight hundred. Hey, what's up, Jay? Tell us. First time customer, last time phone answer. I'm telling you, this is the way I talk. I'm enthusiastic. Okay, and excited. can we move on? Nobody cares. Oh, well, I'm super now defensive. He's gonna come back and do it. Give us a one star. Let's just move on to the the happy reviews. Go for it. All right. This one from uh, Georgia Metal Fab. He says, awesome escape. He says, uh, I've had to quit listening to talk radio due to the craziness of today's world. Liked it so much. I went all the way back to the beginning. I own a contract metal fab shop. I'm a Ford guy, 2014 F-150, 79 Bronco, 71 F-250 Stepside. My wife and daughter are both JK drivers. Keep up the great content. And... Five stars. Thank that's the type of uh, Thank listener you we very, like. Very, very much. We appreciate All that. All right, let me uh, ask you a question. I'm going to see if you can answer this. He has a '79 Ford Bronco. A '79 Ford Bronco. Okay. Is that a full size or an early Bronco? Full size. Does it have round or square headlights? Square. Yeah, I'm going to fail one of these. Um, does it have a 351 or 400 in it? That's got the Windsor in it. <clears throat> oh, really? Well, two out of three is not uh, too awful. It's actually uh, about 100% more than I thought you'd get. Oh, okay. I'm happy to impress. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's get to the segment that I thought we were originally going to do, mm-hmm. and that's the uh, five-star hotline. Oh, this one. Oh, come on and be part of the show called the five-star do you think he hates this jingle? I do. Yeah. It's the five-star hotline. Five-star hotline. 
Hi, Lightning and Holman. This is Bryant with Tequachi Motorsports. I know that y'all had some uh, difficulty pronouncing that on the show when mm. I sent in the sound clip of my 76 Datsun 620. Um, uh, since people tell you what they're in when they're calling, I'm in my 2013 Ram. 3500 uh, dually chase truck that I use to support my Class 8 truck uh, whenever I get to go race that. Uh, anyway, Tequachi Motorsports, Tequachi uh, spelled it phonetically for a Spanish word that means possum. There's a big, long story behind that if you want to hear it sometime. Uh, but about the Datsun, y'all asked for an update on it, and it really hasn't changed very much. Uh, I brought it to Texas and from SoCal, and I... Uh, Got some parts for it to help make it race legal and provide someone an opportunity in Texas to begin their uh, racing career, and it's still sitting in my shop waiting for the right owner. So, uh, again, I'd, I'd be happy to chat with you all about it or about other things. Holman, you and I have a little bit of a uh, six degrees of separation connection. There's an article about a project that I did with a foreign diesel in Diesel Power Magazine right around the time you were still working with that uh, publication. Uh, I think it was written while you were still there. Anyway, that's a little bit of my stories. The Dotson's still in my shop. It's for sale. It's ready for someone in Texas to start racing uh, off-road trucks uh, in the desert in Texas out here as I try to help build the sport. I'd, uh, I'd love to chat with you all some more about it. I'm glad that you, uh, you enjoyed it. And uh, Lightning, good job on guessing the sound of that truck. We'll catch you all later on. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I don't often get those sound effects right, but uh, that one, I think no, that was awesome. knocked it out of the park. Hey, Brian, thanks for circling back with uh, Tequachi Motorsports. Uh, even after he said it 85 uh, times, I still can't I pronounce have no it right. idea. <laughs> Omen Lightning. It's your friend Lars from Saskatchewan. <laughs> I had to chuckle at uh, Jordan there, how he pronounced <laughs> Saskatchewan. <laughs> I don't know, I can't do it how he did it, but I don't think we pronounce it quite like he did. We kind of just blur it as Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Anyway, about your registration and plates, that has me, um, I'm interested or I'm curious, whatever. I got to go check in my, at home on my plates and insurance, but in Saskatchewan here, we buy insurance and registration and plates all at the same place through our provincial insurance agency, I guess it is. Huh. That's interesting. And my 2017 half ton, I'm pretty sure I pay, I don't know what part is registration and plates and what part is insurance. I'm not positive on that. But the total for my 2017 is about somewhere between twelve and $1,400 a year for insurance and plates. And that's, Basic insurance, 700000 liability, I think. And then I have I have extra insurance over and above that. But, but yeah, it sounds like you guys are getting chipped. Anyway, have a good night. Do you think that there's uh, interest enough in having a, a guest from the insurance industry on our show? Sure. I'm still working on uh, my friend Jackson Ellis to come in and talk about the dealership industry. Uh, I know a great insurance agent who could probably tell us about the insurance industry. I got someone, I got a muckety-muck high up in Mercury. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Um, so I guess his question was kind of how it works here. Essentially, uh, where we are, 
you buy your vehicle, you pay registration at the dealer, you get a plate that lives with the vehicle forever, and then once a year, you pay the local Department of Motor Vehicles of your particular state for uh, registration stickers, and uh, you pay them the money, stickers come to your house, and you basically, over 20 years, you'll have 20 uh, registration stickers piled high on your plate, unless you're super anal and you scrape the old one off and put the new one on. Um, some people, it's a, a, a source of pride that they have a personalized plate that's 50 years old and has 50 layers of registration stickers sticking off of it. And then uh, we go through local insurance brokers or agents. You can pay uh, monthly, you can pay bi-monthly, or you can pay annually. And uh, then that covers you for the year. And you can't get your registration without your proof of insurance being in the registration and insurance database. Um, so you have to have both. And then sometimes they throw a curveball where in the middle of all that, you also have to pay to go get your vehicle smogged, which after five years in California, you have to do it every other year. And all of those things that Alma just said vary from state to state. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, it's just a big old pain in the ass. That's how we roll. Holman, end of episode 157. That's not a win. You said right back at you, buddy, not brother. Try it again. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> oh, burn on you, whoever you are. I've tried it again twice since then and nailed it both times. Ugh. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I love the fact that he burned you. No, that, that's, he burned you hard. That's fine. I, that's why I buried his voicemail until no, I got right. No, 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 no. I did not just see what I think I saw. Lightning. Yes, lightning. What the truck? I think he's talking to you. I'm listening. Uh, okay, let's let's start this over. Play the play the go back in time music. Okay. That's the first time we've ever used that on a listener. I like it. So a long time ago. In the galaxy close to us, right? Lightning, you didn't have a truck. And we gave you so much crap about not having a truck that one of one of the people in our lovely family of truck show podcast listeners gave you a truck for a dollar, which I'm pretty sure Sean lent to you. Okay, that's and, accurate. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you, you took this truck as your own. You're supposed to make it your baby, right? And then... On the Truck Show podcast was birthed the name of Lockjaw by our good friend Sean P. Holman. Also true. So far accurate. So then, fast forward in time, I'm watching a YouTube series, which is cool. And I'm watching it mostly because lightning, you're there. And it's kind of like... I'm watching my God truck, you know? Like, I'm not its real uncle, but, like, I'm <laughs> part of the family, you know? Sure. Well, hold on for a second. Watching this truck that? grow up. become. Yeah, 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 paused it. You see what's happening here. Oh, I know where he's going I with got this. called out in the last email, and now it's reckoning for lightning. Bring it on. Keep playing. That's fine. I'm uh, going to explain yourself after this voicemail. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Become a big truck and do truck things. And, like, there's no mention at the truck show. And, like... There's like this fake montage of like Gail Banks coming up with the name Lockjaw. I just feel like it's like not the real autobiography of Lockjaw. It's like as told by television. Uh, fair points. Like I felt a little bit betrayed. You better have like asked permission from Sean to like make sure it was okay that he pr portrayed that. Anyway, my time is probably almost up. 
But come on, man. Come on, man. We're all family. Why are you doing this to us? You have the good word, guys. We love you. Bye. That is all true. A hundred percent accurate. It's all true, and I'm not hiding any of it. So, <clears throat> well, except for on the Banks uh, videos. Uh, no, that's not even true. The origins. Can I explain why? Uh, you briefly explained it, it in passing a couple weeks ago. In as you scurried off before we could have a conversation, as if you, um, it's almost as if you said, "I bought you a sandwich," and I was waiting for the sandwich, and it was a three-day-old Subway. From the back of your car, your mini, that you forgot about and it had been in the sun and the mayo's all rancid. So technically, you did bring a sandwich. And what you did, knowing that I would eventually open up the sandwich to find your rancid, disgusting uh, um, petri dish of a meal that you had gifted me, you left it on the table and you scurried off before I had a chance to yell at you for it. Quite a description here in that, uh, that story there. Yeah, uh, but also accurate. No. Oh. So what happened is that, that he what he saw was Banks Built Episode 4, which uh-huh. um, I felt was too early in the season to explain the whole backstory of how the truck came to be. So you faked it. Yeah, I don't didn't really fake it. I had to it, we needed to give it a name at that point, I thought. And it, 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 I couldn't explain the backstory. Hey, I work at a podcast, and my co-host came out with this. With, Why not? With the guy from C10 Talk and all that. It, it, it wasn't. Diff, it didn't. Ha- it wasn't going to work. Hmm. So then, I feel like you could make that work. Well, hold on a second. Uh huh. That one's already out. Episode five is out now. Okay. Where we went to Roadster Shop, uh-huh. toured, uh, started working on the chassis. Episode six, which hasn't aired yet, uh-huh. is coming out. That's where we tour Strange. They're helping us build the rear end. The next one, seven, we go to Kibbe Tech and we hang out with our friend Ryan mm-hmm. on the journey there. And this episode's already edited and in the can. Okay. We take a trip and it's me and Eric, the fabricator, the guys that's working on your truck. And Eric asks me, legit, he goes, I need to know, like, how, to, how did this all happen? How'd you get the truck? And there, in the truck ride up to Newbury Park, California, Barry I in episode seven. It's not. I had I knew at some point I needed to explain the backstory mm. of the truck because we just at episode one say we bought a truck for a dollar. No one buys a truck for a dollar. How does that happen? So I gave the backstory. Mm. So I eventually do come clean and explain that. Now I don't say Sean came up with a name. Historical revisionist. It's not I'm not the only thing that we bent the truth on mm. is Gail coming up with the name because I felt like for all those people, we got a lot of people who follow Banks that don't know the Truck Show podcast. He's been around for 60 years. You, you couldn't know what I mean? say the guy that bought me the truck named it after I had a really dumb name? But then who's the guy that bought you it the truck matter. and why? doesn't matter. It's not germane to the story Look, necessarily, but I thought it, it was cool. History. I thought it was cool to give... Gail the opportunity to, right. to name it. I understand. You Look, thought it was here, cool. Here's me coming you know, clean. Feel, I feel like uh, I feel like uh, uh, we're, we're dating, and uh, you have another girlfriend, and you just won't tell anybody about me. I just did. On the podcast where they already know the truth. That's like going to your friends who all look the other way when this other girlfriend comes around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't go up on stage or to a family dinner and say that. I'm in front talking, of a wider group of people who would judge you. You're mental. I, I'm talking to a camera. Can I, can I and point it's out, be by the way, in front of everyone? Can I just point out? Uh, I did not bring up my truck, nor did I ask what the progress was on it. You brought it up. I'm just pointing out. I let you talk about Lockjaw, and it worked, sure. worked out great. And I'm I'm being I have been upfront and forthright every step of the way. Uh, ish. What do you mean, ish? 
ish. Well, because you the the whole truth is still not out there. Not that I care. I just I, think I it's just funny. I just, did. Were you not listening to the last ten minutes? These people already know. Is my point. The people you lied to don't know. These people listening know. Oh, the people on camera will know most of it. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to do? <laughs> just be I'm, honest. I'm trying to do a little storytelling here. Maybe you know this what I mean? is why we get two star reviews from people who say we have fake enthusiasm. Damn it! This is freaking real talk, a holes. <laughs> okay, well, here's here's your real talk. You lying pile. <laughs> I'm not a lying pile. Okay. Well, I'm trying to create a good show, interesting, huh. that was that's easy to digest. Right. Without this crazy backstory. <laughs> come here, come here, some slack. Come I'll on. Cu- I'll cut you. I know you I'll will. Cut you. I know you will. You're packing, uh, packing knife and, a, and some heat over there. Have something. Mm. I'll be more than happy to. I think I'm what? out. This what? show was, we peaked at Sharif, yeah, and now it's just yeah, crap. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, that's not true at all. Because the last two segments were about our listeners. And they carried us all the way to the end. Whatever. In all seriousness, we uh, love hearing from you guys. Send us an email 24 hours a day. It's open. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. And we want to hear from you. If you want to hear from you on the show, leave a message wait, on the wait, what five did star you hotline. Say? Exactly. 657-205-6105. And, uh, hey, you know what? You never know if you call us at a weird hour and I pick up the phone because that's happened before. It has happened when uh, <laughs> it got forwarded right to his personal <laughs> cell phone. He picks up. Hello? And it's a listener. <laughs> He's like, Hello. Here, call back, and I won't answer this time. I changed the settings on my phone since then. It was you, awkward. Did you have a, a full conversation, or you, you said uh, I don't call remember. back? It was one of those deals where um, it was the first time Google Voice rang, so the uh-huh. tone was different. I'm like, what is this noise? Make it stop. And then I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, all right. He's at LBC Lighting. I'm at Sean P. Holman, and we are at Truck Show Podcast on your favorite social media platform. So connect with us in any way uh, you see fit. I feel like we totally failed and forgot to give the five-star hotline number like we normally do. So that's I 657. I did. You did? Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a rough show for you. you know, when, when you talk, I just tune it out. I figure you're insulting me, so I just... I just I just daydream. <laughs> if you built that, you built that really tough outer layer. No, you know what it is. It's like a, we're, we're you and I are old enough to remember Get Smart. Yeah. Some of our listeners will remember Get Smart. My shoe phone's ringing. Exactly. I have the cone of silence that lowers down uh-huh. around me when so you, you talk. Can't hear it. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just just in case give the number? I'd love. Do to. you remember the number? Yeah, I do. Six five seven two zero five sixty one zero five six five seven. 205 6105 is the five star hotline. Five star. Five star. Five star. Hotline. Did we forget to play that earlier and this was your way of getting back into it? Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're. Uh, Just like I forgot to thank you for coming up with the name Lockjaw. You know what? This is one of the things, if nothing else, we are consistent. Yeah, consistently <laughs> inconsistent. Uh, or consistently bad. Mm-hmm. All right, well, uh, we apologize. We are deeply sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Sharif brought us to an all-new high. And then we jumped. <laughs> we jumped without a parachute or a snowboard. <laughs> nope. All right, well, uh, we, are, uh, we are deeply sorry for this. We are deeply sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry. Yeah.
But what we are sorry for is our awesome sponsors who continue to stand by our sides and uh, basically support the show. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Oh, we have your bell. Yeah, right? I don't know. Do you like my bell better? Or his? I feel like... Um, I'm going to start doing this. You know, I, I feel I, like I'm in a Motel 6. What, was it in Breaking Bad or was it in uh, Better Call Saul where the, uh, the uncle had the bell on the end of his wheelchair? I don't watch either, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they're both great. I'll just do that to get your attention for now on. I'd prefer you didn't. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you are interested in a brand new truck, head on over to NissanUSA.com. Or Wait head. a minute. I what? need to stop you for a second. What? I got to pause you. Just, just time I'm out for a second. I'm doing the read for I know our you sponsor. Are. We're going to get to Nissan in just a second. We always do Nissan a solid. Our research tells us that there are some of you that are bailing out before the very, very end of the show. But they're not listening and right now. It's too late. They're I'm already telling gone. you that you guys, if you get it this far and you tune out like <laughs> right before we get to the sponsor You're mention, missing all the good stuff. You don't, you're missing the Easter egg that I leave at the end of every single show. So you're a loser, a freaking loser. They're not listening to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Can I get back to thanking Nissan for- Please, please do. Oh, hopefully they don't listen to the show. <laughs> All right, uh, Nissan, our presenting sponsor, thank you so much for uh, making awesome trucks. So if you are personally in the market or know somebody who is for a brand new half-ton or half-ton-plus truck, head on over to your local Nissan dealer or build in price at NissanUSA.com. You can check out the Titan, the Titan XT, or the Envy line of commercial vans, or even better- What? This year's Frontier. Bet oh, you, yeah. Bet you can get a good deal before next year's Frontier comes out the They've end of summer. that awesome nine-speed transmission, awesome zero-gravity seats, and the Fender audio system. Uh, the same one that's in the Titan. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. End of summer, 2021. Cannot wait to get my uh, get my butt behind the wheel. That's right. The one that you saw you couldn't drive. Uh, it was... N- what a tease. I know. What a tease. I know. So if you are interested in the Nissan Frontier, just... Sit tight because we're working on some deep dives that we can do on the show with some Nissan people. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm excited about that truck. And I'm excited about Decked because I have grown to love the twin sliding door system that's in the truck at work. And I will tell you, you know what I used it for? Uh, sandwiches. No, not sandwiches <laughs> or sand or any of the BS stuff that we talked about before. I loaded the sucker up with tripods and camera gear well, that's uh, good use when of it. I handed up to Santa Rosa two weeks ago now. To go videotape Guy Fieri. Okay, humble brag. That uh, is. He By is the way, is awesome. he not on the show? I'm trying to make that happen. Because I think that would be cool, especially our love of food. I am trying to make food that happen. Food and ha- trucks. It's Guy well, Fieri. Come on. He checks all the boxes. The guy is, well, you know him from TV, yeah. right? But he is that in person. And so I, I'm, I think I'm pretty close to getting him booked on the show. Okay. Okay. Did you just tell him that he and I were on vacation together once? It was weird. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I was you were in the same place, or the you exact actually... same place. Walked by him four hundred times. He and his kids. Gotcha. It was like, hey, they're good. I was funny because I was actually hanging out in the same truck as his kids. Those are they're cool dudes. All right, we'll get them on the show. I'm trying. All right, and uh, last but not least, our friends over at DuralastParts.com, where you can get yourself some pursuit pads and rotors. The pursuit pads are specially designed for vehicles that make repetitive high speed stops like like cops uh, i would imagine That's or people or pursuit, people running right? from yeah, the cops yeah. advanced friction formulation reduces brake fade for consistently superior stopping power premium burnishing strips spread the braking load for better and improved performance and all hardware is included and of course you can pair those up with the pursuit rotors which offer advanced thermal control for frequent fast stops 
These fully zinc-coated rotors reduce rust and excess wear. Their application-specific metallurgy improves heat dissipation and also reduces wear. And they're available for over 93% of all vehicles 2,000 and newer on the road today. So hook yourself up with some Duralast brake parts from Duralast.com. Uh, you almost forgot that they're also at AutoZone. I never forget that. I leave it for you so you don't feel left out. Oh, thanks. Sharif was amazing and brought the show to a whole new level. Unfortunately, you dragged the show down like a boat anchor. Ouch. No, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> the Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. 